Okay. This is so weird. This is the weirdest. <laughs> this is the weirdest of the weird. People, it's not a child. It's not a child. You don't need to do this. Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Rourke. Rourke, I want to hear all your updates because I feel that there are a lot. But first, I wanted to give our listeners a quick trigger warning. As you may have seen in the show notes, we're going to be talking today about grief and dating. And we will put the timestamps of when that conversation starts in the show notes. So if you didn't see that and you don't want to hear that, you can go check that out to know when to stop listening. Perfect. So yes, I have many an update. Um, Hit me. I'm I'm very tired right now. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. Not entirely because of like social life, but just because um, like my brain power is very tired with like studying in life. Yeah. To, you know, just follow up on things that were, um, that I think the loop is not totally closed on. I know that we did say on the episode and I post on Instagram that the downtown man did not make a plan for a Sunday date. No plan for the downtown man. Yes. So he did not make a plan for Sunday. He had texted me on Wednesday when he canceled the Wednesday date. I'm a planner. I'll get you a plan tonight for Sunday. He, there is zero chance that this man is a planner. It, definitely not. And also, like, way to set sort of, like, the false expectation. Like, I didn't need a plan that night. Like, give me one on Friday night, maybe. No. Like, I'd take a Saturday, frankly. Under promise, over deliver, my guy. Totally. So he then does text me on Monday, the day after the supposed date day. And it reads, I really dropped the ball, completely got sidetracked, and screwed the pooch. I didn't mean to disappear. So sorry, and I will leave you alone. Just letting you know I was an idiot. Did he look up synonyms for fucking up? Yeah, he did a deep thesaurus read. <laughs> so so people wanted you to give him a second chance. Oh, you didn't say yeah. that yet. So I posted the results of, um, I had people guess whether or not we uh, he made a plan for Sunday. Our audience on Instagram definitely knew he did he would not they were correct yep. and then I did post that a screenshot of that message and I've gotten some responses that given that say given he was apologetic why aren't you giving him a second chance good question in the sense that I get why it was asked but I think it's relevant to talk about why I don't think it's the right thing for me to do here I that text to me is not asking for a second chance. I was about to say, show me the part where he asked you for a second chance. Exactly. He he was looking for absolution for me to say, no worries, like you're not an idiot. You don't suck. It's fine. Shit happens. Like that's what he was looking for. I think if he had said, mea culpa, here's what happened. I'm so sorry. Here's a plan for any day this week, you know, like I want to take you to this place. You let me know what day works for you. Done. Very different situation. Very different. And so, yeah, like if you're not going to actually like shoot your shot and ask for a second chance, then like the, I don't need to offer one. I, I had a friend of mine reply to the story as well. And she said, 
he says, I know I disappeared and then apologizes for it. And yet this text screams disappearance energy. Like this text is the same thing essentially as a disappearance. Yeah, it. I think you read that exactly right. That ends the same thing that I thought when you sent it to me is that he, yeah, he wants you to tell him it's okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is because you don't give a shit about this dude. But like, you do not need to give him that absolution. He obviously knows that he fucked up, but he needs to sit in that. Yes, totally. And I also think this goes back to if you cancel a date, the onus is on you to reschedule. If you flake on a date, same shit. Absolutely. Completely agreed. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. So that is the, that's the full closure on Downtown Man. Great. Um, I had my coffee walk with the brother. Okay. Where are we at on the scale of nice to interested? I still don't know. Cause, what? Yeah. So he, the, the problem is I have sort of like just enough information to hang myself with, you know, Mm. where I don't know much of his situation. I, I just know sort of hints. Like I've heard that he like is maybe casually seeing somebody he met from hinge, but he and I talked a lot about the podcast and a lot about app dating and never once mentioned. And so interesting. There's that. And so it's like, I just don't exactly know. It was, we had a great time. We met up, got coffee and, um, I was getting, I was entering my passcode to do Apple pay because obviously I had like my mask on to order and it does not recognize your face. And while I was doing that, he like took his credit card and paid and then said, if you insist on it, I'll let you pay next time. And so I was like, okay, like, so pretty much immediately there was a setup that we could hang again. Yeah, there'll be a next time. Yeah. And then we walked around for a little bit over an hour and then we both kind of had to get back to work. <laughs> yeah. It was just great. Like we talked about our friends, we talked about architecture, like we walked around the Venice canals and we're sort of like analyzing all these different homes and he is starting a business and so he was talking mm-hmm. to me a lot about how he did not anticipate sort of like all these, like how hard a startup would be and like Mm. all this stuff that he's going through. And so we had like a really lovely time. And, you know, even if it is just nice and like we're friends, that's fine too. He'll be a part of the group just by fact that he's the brother of a boyfriend of the group. And that's great. I still get like, I still, my gut still tells me there's like something more there. I, 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 I don't know. And I do think I think it's getting the point where I need to show my cards a little bit. And when I see him again, ask 
you know, hey, I feel like a little bit strange asking this or like, I feel a little vulnerable asking this, but are you seeing anybody right now? You know, it's like, I, I, you and I should brainstorm how we approach this because I need yeah. to think about it. Is this a date? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Honestly, I feel like could be a relevant question. Yeah. That's actually kind of a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Is this a date? And then he says, yes. Or, it's a yes or no question. It's very easy. Yeah. Oh, but I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's easy to craft. Not yeah. easy to say. Because if you ask him if he's seeing someone, the answer, both of the, an- the answers to both of those questions could be yes. Yes, I am seeing someone. And yes, this is a date. Because yeah, great we don't point. know how long he's been seeing someone, how serious it is, blah, blah, blah. True. Very true. So I don't know if you're going to get the information that you want. Yeah. That's that a great point. point. I think we're going to coffee walk again this week. Great. I then have, I will then be seeing him on Saturday because four of the guys in our group are having a like doubles tennis match and we're going to go heckle and like all the girls are going to heckle. And so Matt is invited, like Matt from the podcast is inviting his girlfriend, obviously the brother's brother is inviting him. Like everyone's invited. And so I sort of want to get it. I want to get in front of it because like, what if she's there? Like, what if he's invited her? That, like, that would say a lot. That would say a ton. Oh, yes. If he invites uh, someone he's seeing to this group hang. Yeah. That is, that is a very clear, especially because you're there. Yes. I I don't know if he knows I'll be there, but that's why we got to lay some groundwork this week is what I'm saying. Yeah. I seriously ask if it's a date. Yeah. I like that. I'll work up the courage between now. You've got this. The walk. (laughs) And then um, obviously we have the New Yorker. The New Yorker. Your pal. Mm -hmm. My pal. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he has visited LA and it was a really fun weekend. We like had dinner. He hung out with my friends on Friday. I hung out with his friends slash your friends on Saturday. (laughs) And it's just been like a great time. I think that like there's obviously just like, the reality factor of we literally live on truly opposite coasts and I am not interested in a long distance relationship. And that's something that he and I have talked about. And so that's why last week I was sort of, I have no idea what's happening, but like, here's where we're at. And so, yeah, that's like, nothing has really changed, but like, it was a fun weekend. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah. I heard it was a lot of fun from like my other friends of like the parties that you guys went to and stuff. Yeah. And at, um, at the one on Saturday, not through, like, I want to make this clear. It was not through a friend of yours. Somebody recognized me from the podcast. So fun. Yeah. She was like, I'm sorry to do this. Is your name Rourke? And I was like, yes. And, um, she's like, I listen to your podcast. Like I follow Allie. Like, and she's like, and I, and she's like, yeah, like I've been listening and I'm like, I live on the West side. I wonder if I'll ever see her. And so, yeah. And I was like, I was like, these are all her friends. Do you know that? And she was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) it was really funny. Did she know my friends? Not that, not that she knew that they were mine, but she knew them. Yeah. 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 She's like, uh, yeah, she knew who they were and she knows who the New Yorker is. <laughs> so yeah, that's super funny too, because one of the friends you were with told me the other day that she had met someone where they made the connection that that person listens also. This is really hard to do without saying people's names. I know it's getting complicated. <laughs> yeah. This is like, I, I feel for people that 
talk, have to talk publicly about other people. Cause now I'm like, do I need nicknames for every person in my life? Yeah. I mean, I like how it's like easy. Like I, I don't feel bad mentioning Matt cause he's been no, on it. He's been on. Yeah. And then like, I, I could probably say like girlfriends of mine's names. That's I don't true. Think I was like just thinking, I was like, I don't think my friend that you're talking about is Nicole. I don't think yeah. Nicole would care if I, like, oh my God. Also, can you, you imagine Nicole? the like, googling hoops that somebody would have to go through like nicole friends with fine nope dead end like (laughs) yeah i think it's okay so yes nicole told me (laughs) nicole told me that she had like made the connection with somebody else that that person followed me it's just it's really fun love i love it it's so nice yeah yeah so i think that i think that covers it all um you were on a magical looking vacation that all of us were living vicariously through um it just looked like you were having the best time Uh, accurate accurate it was so magical I mean this was my first time traveling internationally since actually the end of 2019 I didn't travel at the very beginning of 2020 um so that was a little bit weird also people have forgotten how to travel yeah yeah the the level and I was texting you about all of the different things that happened to us on our on our journey home, the level of anger that people had for what used to be really normal scenarios, like a very long line at the airport or like a, a clusterfuck at customs. Like these yeah. are just things that we had become accustomed to that we are not prepared for anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it all, it all connects to sort of the stuff we've been saying about feeling socially overwhelmed and what it's like, we are not used to like, I probably get angrier at traffic now than I used to because I'm like, this isn't supposed to be here. And yeah, yeah, I like, I get it, but also be cool. We're all in this together. Right. And also everybody, so I was in Turks and Caicos, everybody in the situation with me had was coming from Turks and Caicos. So I'm like, I know that you just had a lovely relaxing week or however long. Let's chill a little bit. Yeah. So they should be on a chill vibe and they were not. No, the vibes were off. (laughs) But but it was a lovely week. I was there with my mom and my brother, and we did an AMA together. Loved where it. Drink. He was told so freaking funny. He crushed it. Several like my god sister messaged me and was like, "Oh my god, Drake crushed it." Um, he was hesitant. Like so, when I originally asked if they wanted to do, I, I knew my mom would be down. Because yeah, she was she's a star. Before, but, yeah, confirmed. <laughs> Confirm star. So, but when I asked, he said yes. But then when the time came, he somehow missed the memo that it would be video. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, truly, I'm not sure what he thought it would be. He doesn't follow me. That's important to note. He won't, in fact. Wow. Yeah. Although he, no he did desire. tag you in one photo. He did. He actually tag, has Huge. tagged me in a few photos. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tags both my personal and my Finding Mr. Height so that I can choose where to share it. It's very kind of him. Oh, that's very thoughtful. Yeah. Um, and several of his girlfriends have now messaged him being like, oh, my God, I followed your sister's dating Instagram. So cool. I'm like, yeah, see, I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, girl space friends. I, I, we should probably yes. clarify. Yeah. Yes. Girl space friends. Girl space friends. Um, but he has no desire to follow along with my dating life. I get That's it. That's fine. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. He doesn't need to follow me. It's okay. Um, but he did tell me yesterday that he would be okay becoming adjacently famous. Oh, glad we have consent for that. Okay. <laughs> cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Where he's like, I will ride the coattails. 
Basically, I, yeah, I will I, not generate content for you. <laughs> no, he won't even fucking follow me, but he's okay becoming adjacently famous. That's like, amazing. Okay. Um, but yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got a bunch of questions about like our vibe when we travel and like, because I think when you travel with anyone, it's so key that you have similar travel styles and our family has always traveled really well together. Yeah. So no drama. We're like, we're very much like, and I travel this way too. When I travel by myself, I like to have some plans in place of things that make sense. Like we wanted to go on a horseback ride. We wanted to rent jet skis. Those are like the kinds of things that you must plan in advance. But besides that, we like to just get there and see how we feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I definitely, as you can guess, like to plan things. My family has, I call it the day three fight where after we've been together for like 24, seven, three days on a trip, something bubbles over. It's like never exactly clear what it's going to be, but we have a day three fight. Yeah. We didn't have any fights. We had one, there was like a tense moment when they wanted to leave for dinner before I was ready to a dinner we were walking to. Mm. And I basically was like, no, wait, like it's going to be like 15 minutes. And then halfway through our walk to dinner, it started absolutely downpouring and we had to steal a towel from a nearby hotel and walk as a caterpillar underneath this towel. Oh my like God. Like three single file people in a line underneath a towel, which by the way, did not work as an umbrella. Different absorbencies. Towel. Yep. <laughs> and so then we got to dinner and we were like totally soaking wet, which wouldn't have happened if they had left before me. Yeah. I was going to say, did they point out that like the counterfactual would have been a dry dinner. <laughs> they did, except that I pointed out that I would have been caught in the downpour regardless. And then they would have had to deal with me having gotten caught in the downpour by myself because they left early. Yeah. That, that seems like a less happy outcome for them actually. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So anyway, so it was lovely. I did talk to the dinosaur a few times while I was there. Awesome. Love to hear it. Um, Just sort of just like fun little sparse check-ins. Yeah. Just like he he texted me asking if I had found a pool by the beach because I told him that my absolute dream, and if you have, if you watched my stories while I was there, you'll know my absolute dream is to be in a pool overlooking the ocean. That's legit. I don't like the beach very much. There's a lot of sand. I I actually have friends who live in LA with that similar feeling. I grew up walking distance from a beach. Yeah. Like I'm not that into a beach. Um, but I love a pool and I like to watch the beach. So that's my dream scenario. So he had texted asking if I had found that and I shared with him that I had. And so then we went back and forth a couple times. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Again, and showing how good of a listener he is. Showing he's a good listener. I use travel mode on Bumble because I pay for Bumble. So I have travel mode. Before you say, can I ask, do you have oh. a second date on the books? We don't. Okay. So, and I haven't, I haven't talked to him. Well, I only got home last night, but I haven't talked to him since being back. Okay. I don't know what, I don't, I'm not sure what to expect. Okay. So I will probably text him. Yeah. In a couple days, maybe if I don't hear something. I could see him checking in with you asking, you know, do you get home? Like, make it home. Do you feel relaxed? Like I could, I could see him bringing something up. I'm sure. But I do have a few other Bumble conversations going now because I was using travel mode while I was there to stay in New York and not swipe 
in mm-hmm. terms of Caicos. <laughs> One thing was funny that this guy asked me, I was like, oh, I'm on vacation right now, you know, and he said, oh, um, when do you think you might be back? Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, my well, my eyes and face were greatly confused. Uh, like, well, I, I hope I'm back on Sunday or something has gone very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, is that just sort of like the COVID spontaneity where people are like going on trips and never coming back? Maybe, but I, yeah, it took me by surprise. Um, and in addition to that, I discovered that while using travel mode, you no longer have the ability to set distance limits. Interesting. So I think the the app picks 200 miles just based on my research. That is too broad of a range. It's really fucking broad. And I didn't realize how broad this range was until I'd been swiping for a bit and be like, oh my God, there's so many hot guys. They're all in Philly. Well, Logan said we're allowed to move for love. So we are, but <laughs> we gotta should, do it. We, should we be moving to the city that my ex-boyfriend lives in? I'd advise against it. Yeah, I'm thinking that as well. Yeah, yeah, that seems like an ill-advised switch. It does, it does. Um, but yeah, those, so those are my updates. No phone-throwing moments, possibly because I was in another country. Yes, maybe like um, there's like a jurisdictional limit to phone-throwing. If you cross like Amer- American borders, you're safe. Yeah, you're totally fine. I actually feel that international phone-throwing could be especially bad. Totally. But didn't happen this time. Very good. Proud. Same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm holding it together. Yeah. Well, you always hold it together. I'm the wild card in the situation. <laughs> I would tend to agree. <laughs> thank you. Um, so before we get into our topic talk, we have yeah. a, a weirder not. Yes, we do. And this week's weirder not is they share custody of a dog with their ex. Okay. This is so weird. This is the weirdest. <laughs> This is the weirdest of the weird. People, it's not a child. It's not a child. You don't need to do this. It's more somebody's dog than the other. Pick. Pick. Not okay. This is an excuse to continue to see your ex. I do not like this. Okay. How how do you feel about this? (laughs) Do you you need me here or should I just (laughs) mute? Yeah, welcome to my TED Talk. So you think 80-20? Yeah. You're going to be pissed. Oh, no. 65-35. You know, it could be worse. I, I just had a feeling 80-20 was hopeful, but I I always, people love dogs, you know? So I think they see dog and they're like, it's cool. It's not. It's, it's not cool. Narrator was not. Yeah. Um. So you, your, your tirade, if you will. Um, yeah espoused all of the things that people who thought it was weird said they said many many people said it's not a child Mm -hmm. they said you're just trying to maintain a connection to them they said you know you share more than the dog be honest um all in that similar vein i didn't see any and now i'm going to get dms of people who did say this but i don't recall seeing any that noted that it's more one person's dog than the others but that Mm. is so true yeah Like, I've never seen a 100% equal, like, even my married friends who got a dog together, like, that that's, like, Mina is my friend Anna's dog, and Pip is her husband's dog. Like, it's not close. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, All the people who said nah are dog lovers, who said, like, my dogs are my kids. 
Um, Many people are in a similar situation where they are sharing custody. um, And they also, most of the people who said nah mentioned something about boundaries. Like it's cool if you've talked about the boundaries and you're on the same page. That's good. I like that our followers have that maturity. I do too. Um, I have dated somebody who was in a very similar situation to this. Okay. What was he sharing custody of? Uh, so, it, it, so he it was a dog. <laughs> it was a bird. No. Um, I was going to say, watch it be like a fucking goldfish. That, <laughs> that's weird. I think it would have been a hundred on that. Yeah. Um, no. So he had a dog. So he kind of like you said that you, you have a, a couple where one dog is hers and one dog is his. They had a similar situation, but they, the, I guess the dogs were raised together. They dated for a very long time, like six or seven years. Okay. And so while he maintained his dog and she maintained her dog, they socialized them together often. And then one of them would take care of the other one's dog when that person went out of town. Okay. (sighs) I I mean, I I still don't like it. I'm going to be honest, but I get it. And yet I don't like it. I really didn't like it, mostly because it turned out that he was in no way over this ex. Okay, yeah, that's that's the that's the much bigger problem. Yeah, and I I think he was the one in this scenario who was facilitating these doggy playdates, as mm. it were, j- to see her. Got it. Yeah, that's a good question too. You know, like who's initiating the custody switch? Like who's demanding that we do this? Yeah. And I've had friends and a couple people wrote this in too. I've had friends where their ex has been like insistent that they get, you know, visitation or shared custody or whatever of a dog. But then once it became clear that there was nothing else shared between them, they suddenly didn't care about the dog that much. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's like one person wrote in and said like, yeah, I told my ex that, he could have shared custody, but after I dropped him off without speaking to him three times, he didn't care about the dog at all. Nailed it. Yeah. So, very well said. But I'm with you. I think it's weird. Um, mostly because I just, I think it is very few and far between that there is that undramatic and clear cut of a situation Yeah, where it could make sense. Agreed. So I also just feel like that's annoying. Seems really inconvenient. Yeah, like a dog is inconvenient as it is. And before anyone comes to me, I'm a major animal lover. I absolutely love dogs, but they are inconvenient and no one can say they aren't. It's true. They require a lot of care and responsibility and that's that's objectively true. Yeah, objectively true. And so having to also figure out how you're going to get that dog to a different home and back, I mean, that's just a lot. Yeah, that is beyond, it's beyond what I'm willing to engage engage with. Same. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come. Experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week, so and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link, also in our bios, to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. 
start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time, and you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that, a few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt, I want to come with my sister, I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. Um. So... Without further ado, another trigger warning that we are about to start our topic talk, um, which is grief in dating um, and a little bit of Father's Day thrown in there. So if that might be triggering to you, now is your cue to turn it off. So as you're listening to this, Father's Day will have been last Sunday, and we had our moms on for Mother's Day, uh, though we can't do that exactly for Father's Day for reasons that will become clear. Um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about something that's impacted me for the last three years, um, which is dating while grieving. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel slight, like I want to obviously engage in this conversation with you in many ways, but I, in some ways, feel a little bit like a spectator where I think that this is going to be an area where... I don't have sort of like the personal knowledge to speak to obviously in the same way that you do. And so I really, I want you to feel like you have the floor obviously. And, um, I just want to sort of like talk it out with you, but obviously this is something I do not have experience in. I appreciate that. But I actually think that that's really helpful too, because a lot, like some of the stuff that I want to talk about and I, I solicited follower and listener feedback as well. And a lot of the things that they talked about is, one of the things that is trickiest is when you're dating somebody who doesn't have that experience, which is mm. more often than not. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, I'll, I'll provide the foil. <laughs> Great. Um, and I also want to hear about, you know, this is also a, technically our Father's Day episode. So I want to hear about your relationship with your dad and how that impacts you in your dating life. And, you know, I know mine did a lot. So, yeah. Um, and then one other quick disclaimer that in this episode, we're going to focus on the loss of a loved one, um, for me in particular, a parent. Um, but there are of course, many kinds of grief and loss and way more than we could touch on in one episode. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there as well. Yeah. Narrow the scope a little bit, um, where it cannot be all things. And so this is our focus for this episode. Exactly. So the first thing that I think makes sense for us to talk about is okay, you've lost someone and you're starting to think about dating again. Like when and how, and how do you even approach that? I mean, that's, that's a great question. And I think it is the one that sort of dictates the rest of the dialogue, right? Because once you've decided you're out there again, that's when you then have to start navigating. How do I figure this out when I'm interacting with another human? And, um, so yeah, like, did you feel like there was a right time? You know, was there such thing as like too soon? What, what was that like for you? So this is, mine was a little bit weird. So, so one of the things, so I guess maybe a little bit of background for the listeners too, because the, the my situation informs a lot of my perspective here. Um, my dad had prostate cancer. He also just PS, I'm going to cry probably several times throughout this episode. I'm fine with it. I know you're fine with it, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I have tissues with me. Beautiful. You're so prepared. <laughs> so 
my dad had prostate cancer. He was sick for about six years, um, much more markedly so for a year, year and a half. Um, so there are, I don't want to say pros and cons, but there are pros and cons to losing somebody after a long illness versus losing someone suddenly. And I'll talk about some of those later, but one of the aspects of losing somebody to a long illness is especially for the last year, year and a half, I knew it was going to happen. Mm. So there's a lot of, I think, processing that you're able to do, or I was able to do, I don't want to generalize, in that time, especially I moved home for the last couple of months. um, And in that time, a lot of processing and, you know, evaluating a new reality that in addition to the fact that because he was so sick, there was a, a significant amount of time when he wasn't really my dad as I knew him anymore. Right. I totally, I totally understand that. Um, so all that being said, I actually, so I've talked a lot on this podcast about the aspiring sober vegan. Mm-hmm. One thing I haven't mentioned is that I met him about three weeks after my dad died. Wow. I didn't realize it was that kind of a turnaround. Yeah. I actually flew home to my dad's memorial two days after I met aspiring sober vegan. And our first date was when I got back. Wow. So I was, and, and it wasn't uh, people who remember the story. I met him through a friend out at a bar by, by chance. So like I wasn't right. actively trying to date. I just happened to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes back to the right person, wrong time thing that we don't believe in. Yeah. Because although he wasn't ultimately the right person for me, like we did date despite what you were going that. through. Yeah. Yeah. Despite what I was going through. Um, so, so for me, I did it right away. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't think there's a, like, I think we're going to talk about a lot of stuff where there's no like right answer here. No. You know, a lot of this is going to be very personal and I think our followers have been absolutely lovely so far. And so I expect that to be true after this episode as well. But I almost just want to say, it's like, I feel like that person who's like, if you hurt my friend, I will kill you. And so it's like, I feel like if people are like, mm, you handled that wrong, I'm going to be like, fuck you. Like, don't tell Ali what she does wrong. <laughs> So yeah, it's just like listeners like don't come for Allie about Please anything. Don't come for me. <laughs> um, but I actually think that, and we will get more into this later in the episode. But I actually think that my overarching advice for for handling somebody in your life who's grieving is like don't tell them how to grieve. Uh, yeah, for sure. And also don't tell yourself how to grieve. Yeah. And I think that like this brings us back to this: when do you know it's the right time? Or you know, a lot of people ask, should you be fully healed? before dating again. And th- as we've discussed, and we talked about this with Logan, mm-hmm. you're never going to be a hundred percent healed from every single thing that's happened to you. Absolutely not. The one that I don't like is the one that a lot of people hear the Kubler-Ross model, which is yeah. the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance thing. Yeah. The like seven stages of grief, right? Yes. Or however many stages. Yes. And there's this, there's somebody named Bowlby, B-O-W-L-B-Y. And I prefer this much better. It's the idea that, so they still conceptualize it as stages. The first is shock and numbness. The second is yearning and searching. The third is despair and disorganization. But then the fourth is reorganization, recovery, and integration. And that you basically like go through those many times. And Whereas like Kubler-Ross perceives it as 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you're done, you're I healed, moving on. And the yeah. idea here is that like this cycle will happen as you have reason for like that grief to sort of like come back up inside you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to really naturally happen with the loss of a parent when you like reach certain milestones where a parent is expected to be there. Yeah. And I think that I, I'd heard of that kind of cycling, but not the official title for it. And I think it's really, really relevant for how I have felt in terms of like, oh, I feel okay. And then like something else will happen or something will come up or, you know, Father's Day or or his birthday or, you know, I imagine my wedding day will be one of these things. Things that come up that are milestones that I don't want to say set you back, but shift your thinking again. Yeah. Um, and something that I really like thinking about is people like to say when you've moved on from something and I prefer to think of it as moving forward with. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so a really nice reframe. Like, and I didn't, thank you. I didn't come up with it. I forget who did. I should look it up. But um, because I will never be moved on from my dad dying, but I have certainly moved forward with it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that like, in some ways, like, you shouldn't move on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I think that, and that's why I like that sort of cycle framework versus like, oh, okay, you grieved, you're done. Yeah. Um, That being said, again, don't tell anyone how to grieve. True. If you feel like you you don't need to think about it anymore and that feels healthiest for you, truly healthiest for you, not because you're not dealing with it, um, then great. Yeah. And that's where I think that there isn't, back to our original question, there isn't a right time to be dating again. Yeah. Um, and I think what could what could happen is you might go out on a date and then realize like, oh, wow, I wasn't ready for that. And yeah. I, I, I've done that before with not loss, but like other past trauma in my life and realized like, hey, you know what? I'm not in a space for dating right now. And like, I just was like very upfront with that person when they like wanted to set up a second date. And then I just took a couple months off. And so I, I think that you can test your own hypothesis here a little bit. If it feels right to go out on a date, go out on a date. And then if it feels right to take a pause, take a pause. I totally agree. And I think one thing to really keep an eye on is that you want to make sure that you're not dating as a coping mechanism or doing like anything really as a coping mechanism. Um, and you might not realize that until you actually try to do it. That's a great point. So, you know, whether that's because you want to be distracted or whether that's because you are, you know, in that yearning mm-hmm. stage. Um, and that's not to say that it's probably going to happen. Yeah. But it's something to sort of just keep an eye on, I would say. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great thing to be aware of, I think. Yeah. So, so then let's imagine you've started, you've, you've chosen to start dating again and now it's the question of how do you how do you bring this up? Is there again? It's almost the same question. Is there a right time? <laughs> yeah. um, do you bring it up on the first date? Do you bring it up later? Like, what do you think is the best so, policy? I think so. There isn't one right time. Spoiler alert. Um, but I think this all depends on your level of comfort in talking about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because if you bring something up. You can say, like, I don't really want to talk about it, but you're going to have to say that part. Yes. 
So what you can't expect is for somebody else to know how you feel about it without being told. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that something that I learned through loss and grief is that most people are really bad at handling it in someone else because most people luckily have not experienced that kind of extreme loss of somebody close to them that young. Mm -hmm. Um, And although I've met many, many, many people who have in the course of having it happen, but just statistically speaking. So people don't know how to handle it because they've never, they've never handled it. Yeah. And I think giving somebody a little bit of grace in that sense, um, even if that grace is just to know that they need to be told how to respond. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, that's a great way to frame it. And I think that there's the issue of remaining authentic to what you're feeling while making the other person feel comfortable and also not saying like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> right. Because it is a fucking big deal. Yeah. It's a worried. huge deal. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and somebody said that when they wrote in, they said like, how do you balance? Like, I don't want to bring down the mood, but I also don't want to brush it off. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. So, and I have wrestled with that. And so I think a couple things, if you don't want to talk about it, mention it at all, totally fine. Ways that I have, and I feel differently, by the way, I feel differently about that on every date that I go on. That makes complete sense to me because different people are probably going to make you feel different amounts of safe to be open about that. Right. And I also feel different every day about it because of that cycle that we talked about. So like, depending on where I'm at in that cycle, you know, if I go on a date on his birthday, I'm probably going to feel very differently from, you know, some other random day. Mm-hmm. Um, so check in with yourself on that and like, don't be afraid that that might change mm-hmm. that, you know, one date or day you might feel totally comfortable telling somebody and the next you absolutely don't want to talk about it. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is when I don't feel like talking about it, one of the things that can be tricky is that family is a, is a very typical first date conversation. Yes. And I don't want to seem like I'm not inquisitive about somebody's family. However, I want to be cognizant that they're going to ask me the same things right back. Yeah, absolutely. And so then do you prepare for that at all? Yeah. So like one of, I have like a stock answer or a stock, not answer, but like way that I, that I respond. If somebody says like, oh, where do your parents live? I say, oh, my mom lives in San Diego and I don't provide any more information and any socially aware person is not going to follow up with what about your dad? Yeah, that's a good point because either like you're, you're not providing that information intentionally, no matter what the intention is. Like people can read. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and then, you know, they'll ask more questions about my family and I will consistently only mention my mom and my brother. That's and like, that's very never smart. one time reference my dad. Um, and then they get it. If I'm feeling a little bit more open to potentially talking about it, I don't actually say it up front. I will just use the past tense. I think that's smart too, because, you know, not to like, we talk a lot about not testing people. We are not into testing people. No. But that does show somebody's ability to listen closely and also sort of pick up on cues. Yeah. And then I'll kind of say, you know, so somebody will say, like, oh, what do your parents do? Right. And and I'll say, like, oh, my mom does this and my dad was blankety blank. Yep. Um, and it's a very and good way to handle it. In some, usually they'll ask. And I was like, oh, my dad passed away a few years ago. And they will usually say, oh, I'm so sorry. I will say a very heartfelt thank you. And then we will move right along. And 
I, I think if it's like an, I think if it's an early date, that is honestly the best we can sort of expect. Yeah, totally. Um, and that conversation doesn't always happen on a first date, but for sure. That being said, my dad and I were extremely close, and so there are a lot of anecdotes and stories about my past and my childhood that he is in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it it doesn't feel authentic to tell stories about my childhood or very many stories at all without ever referencing him. And then I feel like I do it in that way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be strange. Like you are not required to omit, like redact his presence from your memories. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. To like, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I know you and your dad are, are super close. Like does he, does stories about him come up on in like early dates? Yeah, certainly. Like I, my parents being an only child, my parents and I are very close generally. And yeah. so I often talk about, you know, weird things that they're doing. Also, my dad is like very weird on Instagram. So sometimes he'll have just like, you know, <laughs> stuff that I will actually, I'll post on mine. Um, he loves Love. nature around the house, um, around his neighborhood. Great. But great content. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Like, so my dad lost both of his parents when he was young, like oh. before college. Wow. And I am even afraid, like we can transition a little bit to like how to react. I even struggle to talk to him about that, even though it's, you know, so far, like I was not even a thought in his mind when that happened. <laughs> um, and yet like it, I, like I struggle to talk to him about like grandparents that I never even knew. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people also ask questions about how to respond, which I really appreciate that people are, you know, wanting to be, and these are people that haven't experienced loss. So they're just going out of their way to want to know, mm-hmm. um, which I think it, that's really all we can ask. <laughs> Absolutely. To me, if you lead with empathy, like, thank you. There's, um, there's, you know, there's this cute YouTube animation video. Somebody animated, I think a chunk of a Brene Brown Ted talk where mm-hmm. she's describing empathy and in the animation, it's like a bear and a llama or whatever. And like the llama sort of like goes down into a hole and is like sharing a vulnerable thing. And she said, what's not empathetic is to say like, well, at least you still have a mom or like at least is like never an appropriate response. And so like the animation has like the bear, like yelling down from the top to the llama in the hole. And she's like, what we want is like you to like get down there with us. And then the bear like follows the llama and basically it just says like, you know, thank you for telling me that. Like, I bet that's a hard thing to talk about. I'm so sorry. And if you want to talk about it more, I'd love to hear more. Like, I I think that's, I I think that's a pretty good, like, baseline thing to say. Yeah, I think that is the gold standard is, A, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, yeah, I would love to hear more if you're comfortable or another time. Yeah. Um, And, like, giving them that out also. Like, I actually like saying if you're comfortable or another time because that that enables me to be like, yeah, another time versus having to say to you, no, I'm not comfortable. Yes. I like that as an addition a lot. That's a great ad. I think that at least thing is so important because so many people have said to me, at least you were close. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah, but do we need to minimize my grief? No. In this conversation? 100% no. (laughs) We do not. (laughs) And there are so, like I said, there are, there are pros and cons to every sort of situation. Um, us being close is both a pro and a con actually. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Um, and like I said, there he was sick for a very long time. That had that was very difficult for a lot of reasons, but it also gave me a lot of time to prepare. So there's, you know, but I think, yeah, weighing in with an opinion is never the move. Definitely not the move. Yeah. And I also think this is another time where people often feel the the need to show that they understand because they've been through X, Y, Z thing. Mm-hmm. It's also tricky. Yes. Unless your dad also died and then that would be an appropriate thing to all say. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, no, there, yeah, it is unempathetic to engage in, like, it can feel bonding to say, oh, well, I had this experience because then you feel like you're relating and you're on the same page. And yet it can more often than not come across as one-upsmanship, even when your intent was to bond. Yeah. And that actually reminds me of something else that you want to be super careful with when you're first starting or even ever starting to date after a loss is trying to avoid trauma bonding. And I've talked about trauma bonding a little bit on my social media, but not this serious of it. But when you meet somebody who has experienced a similar trauma to you, whatever that trauma is, there's a bond there. Like mm-hmm. there's a, a very, you know, you've been through something similar. And in dating, we can often mistake that bond for compatibility and mm-hmm. for, you know, long-term viability. Yeah. So just a PSA. Yeah. Uh, so I have been in the position of being on a date receiving this information. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was intense. Um, because he, he was very open about it. He wanted to talk a lot about it and his dad murdered his mom and his dad was in jail for life. Wait, it wasn't Evan from Temptation Island, was it? (laughs) It was not. Okay. (laughs) It was not. And Um, wow. Yeah. And so he talked about, like, he talked about, he wanted to talk about the parole hearings. He wanted to talk about like every sort of like spin-off of this topic yeah. he wanted to cover. And I I pretty much just felt like I was a broken record saying like, wow, that must have been so hard. Wow, I can't imagine. Wow, what a twist. Like, you know, like I, I, I'm not going to try and compare say? anything I've been through no. to that. And for other reasons, we like did eventually talk about other things, but so for other reasons, he and I were not a good match. And then when I told him I did not want to see him again his response was like yeah I know I come with a lot of baggage like I know and I was like oh that's not why it's not what's happening here yeah and I it felt like that weird to it like we talk about not wanting to be specific in the in our anti-ghosting script and yet I like wanted to be like no it's like not because that like we're just not a good fit like I I'm not holding this family history against you yeah and oh, that's so hard it for was, him. It was intense. But yeah, because I'm sure he has encountered people for whom that's too much. Yes. Um, it sounds like he's talking about it a whole lot, um, which is his prerogative. But you yep. know, as we as we say, just be cognizant of the impact or the consequences of our actions. Yeah. People did ask this too. A couple people that wrote in who had experienced loss in a, a more shocking way. Um, nobody said that specific example, but you know, homicide, suicide. Yeah. Um, and have said that they've struggled with sharing it with potential partners or people they're on dates with because of the shock value of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that just because you're comfortable with something doesn't mean that people deserve access to that information. 
And so just because you've made peace with it or you have integrated it into your own experience doesn't mean that you like have to be an open book from jump. And yeah. you can, you know, let somebody know that you've lost a parent, that a parent has died. And as you build trust, you know, 10 dates later, maybe that's when you want to dive into it. And so again, you know, no right way necessarily here, but I think that if the question asker is describing struggling with making that decision, then I think build trust first. I think this also applies really well to people who have lost a partner or spouse. Yeah. And because a lot of the questions that I got when I asked this from people who are widows or widowers were, when do you disclose that that's how your last partner or that's how your last relationship ended? Mm. Mm -hmm. Especially because a lot of dating apps have widow slash widower as an option for relationship status. I think that's great that it can be on a, like, I think that'd be great. And I would not at all be deterred by somebody who had that as like their badge on a dating app. Yeah. I don't think I would be deterred either, but I, so I recently counseled my mom on this mm -hmm. and I, she doesn't really want it out there necessarily. And I told her not to put it Yeah, because I think that in the same way that you would not discuss why your last relationship ended if they are still alive on a first date, probably. Yeah. I think the same thing applies. Like you said, people are not entitled to access to information. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that could be something that you decide to disclose later. And just because you have, because I think in that relationship status, single is an option there too for the sites that have this option. And that is also true. Uh, yes, completely true. Completely true. Um, and, and I think all the same things apply in terms of when you'll be ready or knowing when you're ready or, you know, needing to feel like you're a hundred percent moved on from it mm -hmm. or moved on with um, it. Yes. Thank you. Um, but one thing just on that note of one piece of advice though, that I will give for somebody who might be dating a widow or a widower is that especially if it is a very long-term spouse, um, that know that they will always have that part of their heart, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like there, there will always be a place for that person and that doesn't lessen what you have with them. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's very well said. And I, obviously you're sort of walking with your mom on this. Um, but, you know, moving on from that initial communication into you were probably going to feel different about yourself and your needs and how to navigate that and communicate it. That makes, that makes total sense. I mean, your perspective has shifted probably in really important ways. And part of, part of that is sort of like telling your partner what you, what you need in that regard. Yeah. And also knowing that you might not know what you need until you realize you need it. Great point. And so an example that I'll give is, so I, I mentioned that I met the aspiring super vegan, like right after my dad died. And I have always tended toward an anxious attachment style. I have never felt more anxious than while dating him. Mm. And I, I have dated avoidant people before. I don't think that was it. I think it was that I was dealing with an elevated anxiety and fear of loss. It, I mean, that, that makes total sense. That is a you know, that's a very reasonable sort of like uh, both logical and emotional like jump to make. Yeah. But 
the the difference in between me now and me then is I didn't realize it then. Mm. Like I didn't think so like the self-awareness piece wasn't there yet. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't think about the fact that my dad dying probably would have an impact on, on my relationship. Yeah. Feels obvious now, but I, I didn't. And I think, I think that if I had, it would have been, I, I still don't think we're compatible people, but I think it would have been a lot easier for me to navigate it if I had been self-aware enough to say like, you know what, this is probably coming up because of this. And mm-hmm. how can I address that? And so do you then not only like how you communicate sort of, you know, how what you've been through is affecting you today, there's also other things that are going to come up. It's almost like we talked about with milestones, right? Like what is it like for you when you meet somebody's family and, or like they meet yours and, you know, like those types of things as they come up. Yeah. I mean, somebody that wrote in mentioned that she feels jealous of other people with their dads. And so she can't even imagine a significant other, a partner and their family and how that would make her feel. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't felt that in particular. Um, it might be because I don't see myself in my partners. So like, it might be different if I dated women mm-hmm. and I was then seeing my partner, a woman interacting with her dad, like my, I would see, could see myself in that. Yes. A little bit more than like, I, I think that it just feels a little bit different. Yeah. For me. Um, but I do think that there is, there is an aspect of, um, feeling like as you hit different milestones that you obviously, like, I wish my dad were there to see different things and that, 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 can manifest itself in your relationship without you even knowing. Yeah. And then do you think that like, that's probably ongoing work to keep that type of stuff at top of mind? Yeah. And I, and also I think communicating to your partner about it, like another example I'll give of ASV last summer or two summers ago when we were dating, he went with me to my friend's wedding and I told him in advance that I and I had, I'm trying to remember, I think I had been to a wedding already since it happened, but now I can't quite remember. But I told him in advance, like the father-daughter dance is probably going to be pretty difficult for me. Yeah. And he took, he like, as it was happening, he was like, do you, let's get a drink. Do you want to go outside? That's really nice. And we like went outside and it was just, it was really lovely, but it only happened because I told him that. Yeah. Like I couldn't have expected him to know that that was going to be difficult for me. For sure. Um, And I think that that a lot of what a lot of people asked, you know, has what you're looking for changed or has your type changed Mm. since losing your dad? And that's something I think about a lot. And something that I think I do think about more is somebody who's able to take care of me in that way emotionally. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Um, I know that that's something my mom brought up like wanting for me. Mm-hmm. when we had our like mom's episode where, yeah. you know, like my dad like wants my mom and my world to be like so taken care of, even though we are like fully capable. And honestly, sometimes it goes awry. There was one time where he thought he had both a flight and a backup flight for me and he had no flights. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, thank you for so much for helping. And I will take this from here. Um, but yeah, so I, I totally get that. Yeah. And I also, I don't know, do you tell your dad about people that you're dating like early on? Like, what does that look like for you? 
I mean, I, I know that I've mentioned on the podcast before that like, if I mention I have one date with a guy, my dad will be like, how's your boyfriend? And I'm like, Hi. dad, he, this man is not my boyfriend. I do not know him. And um, so that's like ridiculous. But no, I, I mean, I talk to my dad less frequently. I think my mom, my mom is very apprised. Also, my mom listens with, you know, bated breath to the podcast, whereas I don't think my dad does. And so um, he and I have sort of more significant, but fewer and further between conversations than me and my mom. And so he's only, I think, aware of sort of like bigger stuff. Yeah. My relationship with my dad, especially towards the end, because he wasn't working. And so he was home all the time. And anytime that I was going from point A to point B, walking to the subway, walking to, you know, I had 10 minutes. I called him. I probably called him six or seven times a day Yeah, in, you know, in snippets. And so I think that one of the, one of the most significant losses that I felt and, and continue to feel, but to a lesser extent as time goes on is that level of connectedness to him and telling him about people that I'm dating and mm-hmm. knowing that the person that I end up with long-term, he will not no. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that is one of the reasons why I actually really like to talk to people about my dad because I want them to know him, even mm. though he won't know them. Mm. That's so, so poignant. That's really well said. Thanks. I'm going to cry now. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, I think that, and I actually asked, so again, one of the one of the benefits of, of knowing that it was coming is I was able to have a lot of conversations with him, some against his will. But um, one of the conversations that I had and I asked him, I said, you know, what do you want for me um, in a partner? And he said, someone who holds your hand. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. But I think that like he meant not just physically. Yeah. But also that emotional support that yeah. I was talking about, you know, somebody who lets me be weak when I need to be. Yeah. But the, but that, yeah, that feeling of, of knowing that your loved one will never know the person that you're dating is really hard. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I know somebody else asked about, you know, feeling guilt while dating, you know, feeling like you shouldn't be having a good time. And mm. I know for a fact that my dad wants me to be happy. Yeah. I mean, from the stories I've heard, I feel like your dad was like the life of the party. Like he's like, <laughs> he very much wants you to have a good time. It's funny because he was the life of the party while at the same time hating the party. Love that. He absolutely hated the party. That's so funny. He was the center of it. Um, but but so just circling back on the on those needs though, I think that that it's I am so much more in touch through therapy. And I'd been in therapy previously in my life, but after my dad dying, I didn't start therapy for like a year and a half. And um it really helped me to start to understand those new needs of mine. And why they're there and and how to communicate them. Yeah. I mean, I think that I I recommend therapy to like all my friends who are in just like incredibly normative life cycles. This is a great time for therapy. Could not stand therapy more if this is what you're going through. Therapy is great. The other thing that was really helpful for me as, as long as we're plugging things is I started group sessions. Love a group. Yeah. I will put this um, in on the on my website and whatever and all this stuff so people can find this information. But there's a group called The Dinner Party that is nationwide. I actually think it might be global. And they facilitate, they call them tables. They facilitate literal dinner parties. Um, they used to be in person, then they went virtual. I, I lost touch with mine and I need to reconnect. So I'm not sure if they're in person again yet. But you would literally be paired 
at a dinner party with like eight to 10 other people who experience loss, oftentimes loss very similar to yours. The organization like pairs you with them. Yeah. That's um, super cool. It was really cool. And it's like, it's free and it's not, it's not therapy. It's just like a group of people who get what you're going through, but having those sounding boards of also I had, lo- I was the most recent person to have lost somebody in the group. And so it was really helpful to hear people say like, Hey, like this might be a thing that comes up you know, maybe watch out for this. I didn't like, it didn't occur to me that Mother's Day was going to be really hard for me, but mm. it was, but I, I knew to think about it because somebody in the group said like, whose dad had died said like, Mother's Day might be a problem. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, I think having in like therapy circles, it's often discussed that some of the best work is done when it's a peer to peer experience. And I obviously don't mean necessarily like age peers or business peer, like, peer in the sense like we've had the same experience that often like people who have been through juvenile detention have do much better when they speak to people who have been through it because they don't like view them as sort of like an outsider telling them how to feel and so I think that I just think group therapy is awesome uh yeah I totally agree um and and yeah so then you know you have these new needs and these new boundaries that you might need to set or new you know fears and then the next step is communicating that stuff to your partner and that can be really tricky. Yeah. And I mean, I think not only, again, we sort of have, we have both sides of the equation. We have the person who is sharing and then the person who is receiving. And I think what can be hard too is I'm, a, um, I think that the uh, listener wrote this in that how do you sort of balance your needs with their grief where you obviously don't want to come across as selfish, but Maybe you want to celebrate Valentine's Day and that's a really hard memory for them. Yeah, because you are still entitled to your needs. Yeah, you know? you're know, you in the relationship like, too. <laughs> right, but I think in a relationship, things can ebb and flow, you know? Yes. And if somebody has a, a larger, greater, more pressing need, it's like triage. Yes, you know, good the, word. The emergency room is, the triage is how an emergency room functions for anybody who doesn't know. Like the person who comes in missing an arm is going to get treated much quicker than the person who needs two stitches. Yes. So I think in a scenario like that, so a listener gave an example of her partner doesn't want to celebrate Valentine's Day because there's a a really bad memory associated with it for him. And I think you can find compromises in those scenarios. So like for that specific one, maybe you can select another random day. Maybe it's Earth Day. Maybe it's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. I don't know. Some other day that you're going to decide is super special for your relationship that you will treat the same way that you treat Valentine's Day. It's just not on that day. Yeah. No, I love that. Just create like a special for you guys day. Yeah. And I think that that can work a lot with balancing different emotional needs. But, you know, I think, I think that triage mentality is something to think about with, you know, let's say that, let's say that your partner deals with their grief by being a little more introspective and they, you know, if they're like feeling a certain way, they need time to themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you, let's say, have an anxious attachment style, that might feel really uncomfortable for you Yeah, because, you know, they're retreating into themselves. And we do need to balance our needs, but like, is there a way that you can talk to them about something that they can say to you that will be reassuring while still keeping the need that they have? So maybe it's like when they're feeling that way, they say, you know, I love you. I need this time. Everything's fine. Yes. And like, you will know that like, you know, maybe there's a code word, like something that gives you that reassurance that you need while still allowing them to have the space that they need. Yeah. That actually puts a sort of the last thing that that I wanted to make sure we talked about, which is just 
how to handle when you're sort of in the in the situation of I've never been through this and I don't understand and you know how do I be a good partner to this person um and I think the biggest thing you start with is just that acknowledgement of like I don't get this yes yeah um, I think so much of this is like being authentic to what's going on in the room and if what's going on in the room for you is like I've never experienced this before how can I be there how do we do this and just yeah. sort of acknowledging that I don't have the answers here and like, we'll kind of figure it out together. Cause also like, you don't want to put it on. That's tricky too. Cause I don't want to like turn around and say to you like, Oh, it's your job to like always be telling me how to feel and re- respond to this. That's not fair either. Yeah. Because the other thing that is just advice that I generally give people, not necessarily in dating, but just if, if a friend of theirs is, is grieving a loss, et cetera, saying like, let me know how I can help. Or is there anything I can do is, while very well-intentioned, not actually helpful because I am not going to come up with something that you can do for me. Right. Yeah. Sheryl Sandberg actually talked about that when her husband died. Mm -hmm. And she talks a lot about how like the best things that people did for her was like just random shit. And she's like, instead of asking, just drop macaroni and cheese on my fucking front step. I don't care. And don't don't stay. Don't stay. Drop the food and fucking leave. Yes. Yeah, I remember her hearing that in a speech somewhere from her. Yeah, one of the reasons, so my mom, my brother, and I, the very first, we, we travel a lot, the three of us now. The first time we did was two weeks after my dad died, maybe not even. We were overwhelmed with how many very well-intentioned people kept coming to the house. And so we just left and went on vacation. Genius. Uh, but the best things that people did was buy us dinner, but not eat it with us. Yeah. Um, and so that could be, you know, if, you're, if your partner is, go- is grieving a very recent loss, you can even ask because maybe they don't want dinner, but you can say like, I would love to pick up dinner for you tonight. Yes. Like, do you, does Ty work? Whatever. My, a friend, when a, a friend of mine's dad um, went into hospice, several of us like got together and pooled money and got them like a very big Uber Eats gift card. And we just figured, my friend was saying, like, my mom is not taking care of herself. You know, she's not eating well, like, and she refuses to pay delivery fees. And we were like, oh, we got that then. That's something we could cover and be like, and we're staying out of it. We love you. Yeah. You know, or like, if your friend or your partner has a ton of plants, you could be like, I'm going to come over and water your plants. You don't have to talk to me. I'm just going to come water the plants. Yes. In fact, don't talk to me. I'm just going to be there for the plants. I'm only talking to the plants. (laughs) Like, like stuff like that. Um, And I think... One of my favorite questions that I got from a listener was, what do I wish or what was the best thing somebody said to me while Mm. I was grieving? And I think that it was the Aspiring Sober Vegan when we were first dating. And I will compliment him for the first time on the pod, which actually is probably not even true. But yeah, I feel like this has actually been a pretty complimentary um, episode. It has. um, Yeah, it has. He was great in a lot of ways. Um, But something that he said to me really early on was that he wanted me to know that he was not burdened by my grief. That's and that, great. Yeah. And that like, I, if he, if I wanted to talk about it at any time for any reason in any situation, he wanted to talk about it with me. Um, because I think that something that can be really hard is like, I don't want to be the dead dad girl. Like, I don't want to be that girl that's like, oh my God, will she shut up about her dad? We get it. He died. I'm sure that people aren't thinking that. No one's but thinking it's that. It's still something that is in your head. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So that was that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's a very it's weird to say like that's a happy note to end on, but <laughs> that's a um aspirational note to end on, or you know, sort of like I a mean, 
I think it is a happy note to end on, you know, like I, in terms of what I look for in a partner now, I look for that, you know, and in addition to a host of other things that he did not have, but correct. But that, that aspect is something that I definitely look for. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Allie, thank you for being so vulnerable with me, with the listeners. I can't imagine sort of what the process of like even preparing for this episode was like on your end. And so I'm just like really grateful that you know, we're able to have super fun and silly and messy episodes and then have ones like this where hopefully we can touch our listeners in a more sort of like personal poignant way. Yeah, I hope so too. And I also like weirdly vulnerable moment in terms of not judging yourself. I am currently judging myself that I didn't really cry. I think that sometimes like in this context, we're sort of like intellectualizing some of our feelings in a way that like, I, I I can, I can sort of see why, but do not be hard on yourself. <laughs> but there's no reason to be upset about that. No, I, I intellectually, I know that. But yes. um, thank you for, you know, letting me be vulnerable. Of course. This was fun. Well, I wish we were IRL so I could give you a big hug. Even though you hate hugs. I would do it for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's big. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, have a great night. I'll you see too. you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.